Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant assisted routine inspections, where your tenants in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections, um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done. Now this is going to help you particularly if you're in lockdown, but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown, um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections. The next step really go and have a demo, have a look for yourself and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo and check it out. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here and I'm with the one and only Esther Nielsen who is from Coronas now based in Perth. You're running your own rent roll Esther and thanks so so much for being on board with the PM Power podcast show today. Thank you so much for your time. No problems. Thanks for having me. And we're going to get into it. Esther is a really good property manager. She's well, she's one of the best in the country, and that's why we've got her on the show. And we are going to pull apart today uh, the seven habits of highly effective property managers. There's actually some trainings that I do, and I know Esther is absolutely, totally, 100% fully qualified to go through the seven habits or the seven skills, the seven attributes and we were talking, Esther and I were just chatting, you know, before the, the session start. And, um, you know, the, the, with these seven things, if you're missing one of them, you're not going to do very well. Uh, and there are, um, you know, people that come into the job that they are missing some of these things. And it's no wonder they struggle and don't survive. So these are the things that uh, a quality property manager needs. And if you're ever looking at employing anybody, these are the seven habits or attributes or skills that you're looking for in the actual interview. And you'll also see uh, in this why salespeople are generally not good at property management and why uh, they feel like they've been hit by a truck. Um, we'll bring that out in these seven habits. But while we just get off the mark, I just want to say to everybody, these seven habits attributes or skills, whatever you want to call them, um, are the same attributes that make a good police officer. Esther, what's your reaction to that? Um, it's just another hat <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, especially the attention to detail. Um, yeah, very crucial. Can't afford to miss anything because if you do, uh, case closed. But if I say that these seven habits, attributes, whatever, are the same as a police officer, that says something about the difficulty of the job as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very complex. It is. It is. So let's just launch into this. And the first cab off the rank, the first habit attribute that a property manager must have is a customer service focus and a strong care factor. And this is a big issue, particularly when I go into the property owner groups and, and investor groups and stuff like that. They're constantly talking about um, property managers that don't give a crap. And um, your attitude to the job, you can't have an attitude to your clients like we see with a lot of government workers where it's just a job and, so, and, and, and for other people in other industries or whatever, this is not a job that's done between getting smashed at parties on the weekend. It's not yeah. that type of job. Otherwise, would you agree, Esther? It, it, it's they, they might as well just go down and, and make sandwiches down the subway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you now let's get into it. So Esther, if you want to help me with this, let's talk about what to you is good customer service focus. What would you define that as? Um, I think, well, one of the first things that I do, whether it's an initial phone call with a potential client 
or whether I'm there doing the appraisal is, is understanding that landlords have different needs and wants. Um, you know, you can't lump them all into the same box. They become landlords for different reasons and thus they have different requirements, uh, different knowledge base, their expectations are different. What are they wanting to get out of this is going to be different depending on how they came into this space. So, um, you know, I think that really important thing straight up is understanding that and asking the appropriate questions and then listening to the answers and then being able to tailor your service to, you know, their wants and needs. So when, when you do that, they then automatically go, oh, she's listening to me. So that is, is, is the first up care factor and focus factor, I believe. Yeah. Care factor, right is, off a the bank. Care factor is a hard attitude. And it's your attitude towards the needs and satisfying the needs and wants and desires of the client. Yeah. And depending on what their request is, is how quickly we can get to it. And it, it sort of brings to mind a really good YouTube video. People, if you haven't listened to it, go and watch it, I should say. Go to YouTube and look up three words, United Breaks Guitars. It's a, it's a song done by a rock and roll artist who was traveling to a concert where he was playing with his band and they had to fly two um, routes in America, one joining or transfer of flights at Chicago O'Hare Airport, and they were flying United Airlines. And there was a, you know, when they get their ticket, they're issued with um, all the terms and conditions. And you know, of course, they're flying and they're on the tarmac waiting to um, fly at their connecting flight at Chicago O'Hare. And they, someone said behind them, look, they're throwing guitars out there on the tarmac. And that quickly got the attention of the band. They looked out and they could see their guitars in their cases being loaded on the aircraft, but being thrown between employees. And then they watched one of the employees deliberately drop it uh. to a point where, boy, something's got damaged here. So they quickly said to one of the airline hostesses, hey, that's our stuff out there being broken and the immediate reaction of the hostesses was they didn't give a crap. It was like fingers in the ears, la, 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 who cares? Not our problem. Talk to someone else about it. Don't talk to us. They had a zero care factor. And that really angered them. Anyway, when they got to their, their destination, sure enough, the lead singer, the guitarist, his guitar was broken, his Taylor guitar. And it started a year-long saga of contacting the airline industry saying, we saw you, we have witnesses. You deliberately negligently dropped the guitar. It is now broken. You at least need to pay for repairs. And they kept on putting the hand up. So sad, too bad. Terms and conditions on the ticket says we cannot be held liable for any damages go away. And he tried and he tried and he tried and he tried for a whole year. He was stonewalled at every situation. He got to the end of the year and, and he, he gave them a warning. He said, if you don't accept responsibility for something which is just so logical that you should just write even a year ago, taking responsibility, I will release a song on this. Anyway, they released a song um, called United Breaks Guitars. You've got to watch it about their experience. And um, 500,000 hits later, United was on the phone saying, all right, we're ready to pay for the repair. Please pull the video down. Mm. They said, go away. You had the opportunity. You said no. Um, we love the video. It's doing so well. And I think the video possibly may have gone, certainly exceeded 18 million hits now. It's gone 20 million, I think. But it just was all about the lack of care factor. And there's nothing that infuriates an owner more than dealing with a property manager that doesn't care. When they've put their heart and soul, they've risked investing in property. A lot of people out there would like to own an investment property one day, but never do. They never go from zero properties to one. The clients that we've got have gone to at least one. All right. And so we've got to respect their risk. We've got to respect the step that they've taken, the financial risk of having two or three mortgages and all of that stuff. Our clients just want us to care. 
Well, after all, they're paying for the service as well. So you need to be providing the service. They you know, expect, they, they going, expect the care factor is going to be there. Yeah, exactly. And it's just now, going to harm our reputation in the long run if, if the care factor isn't there. Correct. It is a hard attitude. And one more thing I'm going to say is that if you've got a property manager that's consistently got complaints about emails not being returned, phone calls not being returned, um, in a lot of cases, it's not just they're bad at time management, all right? They might be overloaded with properties, we've got to say that, and, and that is a factor that shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't be completely overloaded. Um, but a lot of the time, Esther, the reason why I find when I do investigations and business health checks and property managers aren't returning calls and emails on a regular basis and getting regular complaints no matter what the boss does, the hidden reason that's usually hidden is I don't give a crap. Mm. They just don't care. And those people need to be extracting themselves, do everyone a favor and extract themselves out of property management and put them into a job where their care factor doesn't matter. All righty. Now, there are jobs out there where it doesn't matter. You know, government yeah. work might be one, but you got to go find a job because you're hurting everybody, certainly on the job. So having a customer service focus, a sense of urgency towards the client um, and having and just care, care for their needs, getting back in a timely manner um, and having that care and tone in your voice when you're speaking to owners, because that's the minimum that they require from you. So, yeah. All right, Esther, let's move on to the second attribute skill um, habit, time and task management skills. So from your point of view, how important is this um, with having good time and task management skills? Now, you're really good at this stuff, and I do apologize, I've probably dominated the training, <laughs> the, the podcast, but... That's all right. Look, it's massive. Um, having a good foundation you know, at the start of your day or a start of your career, I should, you know, you should get these skills down pat because if you don't have the foundation behind you, you're just going to collapse when you're under pressure. So whether it's inherent skills or whether you've been taught them on the job or if you don't have them, you know, there's nothing to say that you can't go and upskill yourself externally, you know, with other um training organisations who have nothing to do with property management because at the end of the day, these skills are translatable across any industry. So um, just, yeah, I can't stress enough having that solid grounding and foundation to stand you in good stead um, moving forward to be able to cope with the, the numerous tasks and um, incidents that happen, you know, in our day-to-day -day and things that we don't plan for, you know, apart from what we do plan for. So just some points, I think, you know, without getting into it, making this a time and task management training session, and we do have some training on that, by the way, everyone in the IGT exclusive membership, I've got a number of hours there just on time and task management, plus we've got communication, conflict management skills, dealing with tradespeople, dealing with bad owners, dealing with abuse, all of those sorts of things, lots of nuts and bolts in the IGT exclusive membership. For some information on that, just go to the inspiredgrowthtraining.com website and just uh, and you'll see uh, become a member, click on that and that will just go through um, what we cover, rent roll growth, social media training, everything. Let's move on. So just some points Sorry, out there. Darren, everybody. just before we do, I just I literally this morning saw this on a social media post and I thought, oh, I just jotted it down because I thought it was really relevant to this. Um, and it's a saying by General George Patton and it is a good plan executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. So making sure that you've got everything done for now um, I think, yeah, that that's. I thought that was quite um, quite interesting and quite relevant for the topic today. I, I agree. Uh, another way of that I like to explain is, you know, just think yourself as a logger or a, a person. Your job is to go and chop down trees. And your job once a day is to get one tree chopped down. And let's say, you know, person number one comes to the tree, doesn't want to waste any time, picks up the axe, starts swinging right away. And let's say that they finish um, at four o'clock in the afternoon exhausted. They've chopped down their tree um, and they leave. The next person comes and realises, hang on, this job, I need to get prepared first for the day. So they sit down and spend an hour sharpening the axe first. 
Now, the first person felt that that was a waste of time because I'm going to get straight into it. But the second person realizing to get the, chop, the tree down, chopped down, I need to prepare my day first. They sharpen the axe, spend an hour on it, and they actually finished an hour and a half or two hours at two o'clock in the afternoon because it required less swings and less energy because of the preparation time that was put in at the start. And for us, we need to start our day with a list. And firstly, the number one thing is we have to write absolutely everything down. I went for a walk this morning and I realized how clear my head was because everything that I needed to remember, I'm not remembering anything, it's all written in my notes. And you know, the, 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 the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. And so writing everything down into one source, everything I have to remember, and then each day I've got my daily task manager here and I write down everything I have to do for today. And um, if you want a copy of that daily task manager, the easiest way is just go to Google, go uh, search daily task manager, and then put in inspired growth training. That will, all the Google bots will search and bring you up the page where you can actually download your own version of this daily task manager. So everything I need to do for the day goes onto their high priority, low priority phone calls or emails, go onto their what I've got to do for the day. And then I put everything in order of the priority that I'm going to do it. So in, you know, in the priority stuff, be one, two, three, and then I might put a four or a five next to a phone call, a six or a seven next to an email, for example. And now I've got everything numbered. I've got to make sure next I'm in, in a place where I'm uninterrupted because interruptions stop my flow and I just bang it out, all righty, uninterrupted. And I can get two to three times more done than the average person because I'm using that method. Um, yeah, I think it's like, um, I think I mentioned on a, another podcast previously, it's a bit like the chef doing the mise en place, you know, before service is just getting everything prepared, ready to go because then as soon as that, you know, time clock hits whatever nine o'clock, bang! It's it's just going to be chaos. So having everything structured and ready is is really good analogy too. I think um, I think of Subway. You, yeah. you go to a, a, a you know um, um, Asian food restaurant. You know, you know, like particularly walk in a box or noodle box or whatever, and you go in there and you see all the ingredients laid out. Yep. Well, guess what? Someone spent many hours at the start of the day getting all of those ingredients out, particularly in Subway. So it's just then putting stuff together. And property management's very much about that. You know, you can you can do the same amount of tasks um, in 12 hours as a person that spends time preparing. Um, and planning and you can get it done in half or even a third of the time so you've got to be good at time and task management in this job now just an invitation to people out there if you want um, a book or put a, a book together it's called um, time secrets 101 it's got it's called take control get your life back there's 101 different tips in there on for time management for property managers uh, for crazy busy property managers just go to um, time Oh, goodness me, I've just forgotten. <laughs> PM Power, pmpowerkeys.com, pmpowerkeys.com, and you can order the free book. You just got just to pay for shipping, um, and you can get that book there, pmpowerkeys.com. So, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about communication skills. So, um, so important, uh, communication and conflict skills. Let's talk about that. And I think starting off, Esther, the, one of the, the best quotes that I've heard uh, from Julie Collins, who's in the IGT Inner Circle. If you're not part of the Facebook group, just go to IGT Inner Circle, answer the three questions, and you're in. And Julie said something very profound. She said that um, phone calls are for conversation and email is for confirmation. Yeah. How important is that, Esther? Yeah, really important because... The thing is with emails, obviously, as we know, we, we can't sort of get the right tone. Uh, when you're having a verbal conversation, you can, you know, listen to people's tone of voice, um, understand their levels of anxiety or frustration, um, and you can sort of modify your own accordingly. Whereas if you're just becoming a keyboard warrior and going back, there's no, we go back to the care factor thing as well, um, you know, and then things can be interpreted 
incorrectly. So I think it's important to just cut straight to the chase, pick up the phone, have that conversation, eat that frog, get rid of the, you know, the nasties, um, and then email them to say further to our conversation, this is what we've discussed and this is what we've confirmed. And yeah. then you can file it. So yeah, and that. it's so important that that, that that email that you've confirmed the conversation is so important because I, you know, owners are very good at selectively remembering or forgetting what they said, depending on what their argument is. And you've got to be able to go back to that conversation very quickly. You know, the, one of the classic things I see is property managers not confirming um, that a tenant has been confirmed. So a new tenant application has been confirmed. Um, you've spoken to the owner, you've approved, you know, uh, a 12 month lease at this rent um, with, with this tenant and, and two children um, and a black Labrador dog that's outside only and all these important factors, but yet on the file is application approved. And it's not enough. You've got to have bullet point. This is what was confirmed. 12 month lease at this rent, start on this date for these people here, for this black Labrador outside dog, approved, 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 and it's been emailed to the owner. Um, I just can't stress anything more. You've got to confirm all your conversations with owners in bullet points or whatever it is, because I promise you, you're going to get your fingers burned if you don't. And some of the stories, you know, Esther, I've, I've come across where I've saved my bacon, you know, with yeah. this, and no doubt you have too. Um, where conversations haven't been recorded. But you're also right that if emotions are starting to rise in an email, you go pick up the phone because mm. a, a phone call saves a thousand words in email. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. All right. And, you know, you, you talk really good that, you know, when we're talking face-to-face, -face, you can see my body tone, you can see all my expressions, you can see my feet shuffling, you can see my hands fidgeting. You know, you can read everything about a person hearing their intent, um, in their in their voice, all those sorts of things. But each time now we go to Zoom, it strips something out. You can't see my hands. You can't see my feet. You still got everything else though. But then when we go to phone, we're now stripping out something else. We go to email, we're stripping out more. We go to SMS text. Um, it's one of the worst ways to communicate. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's not yeah, it's not my preferred method of communication. That's for sure. Anything important, I like sort of to confirm anything in writing and I do like it in an email because I'm able to save that email into my system as well or into the email folder as, as the case may be. But, you know, going back to, um, you know, verbal and even written communication skills, I, I feel that there's a, a lack of good communication skills in that space. Um, some of the emails that I've seen are just really not professionally worded. So again, we come back to training in that and whether it's internally within the office or sending your stuff to a course somewhere else to sort of give them those tips on how to construct a professional written communication because that's that's just gone by the by, I find, over the years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So moving on, let's talk about conflict now. So, we, so we, firstly, we've talked about customer service focus and care factor. We've talked about task and time management. And now we're talking about communication and conflict management skills. Um, Esther, what can I say? The last two years has knocked a lot of people out of the industry. You know, conflict has been huge. COVID has caused a lot of issues, a lot of complications, a lot of people to lose their cool. Um, what are some of the ways, Esther, for, for, you know, what are some tips around conflict that you could help with? Uh, I think it comes back to um, part of the communication skill and the saying that you've got two ears and one mouth, you know, listen more, talk less. When people are in a state of anxiety or stress um, or anger, they just want to vent um, and you don't serve any purpose by putting your personal, trying to interject all the time, putting your personal views forward. It's just better to just let them say their piece. Um, and we need to show empathy, not sympathy. So we're not dragging ourselves into their personal situation. You have to kind of remain um, not aloof, but sort of 
take a step back because when we become emotionally involved in these kind of communications, A, we could say something that favours, for example, a tenant over an owner, um, which is not a good thing. Um, yeah, I think that's just really important to, yep. to sort of take it that take ourselves out of the equation and try and view things objectively and just provide very short um, solutions to problems or say if we don't have it at that time, say, look, I'm not able to help you at this moment, but I do, um, I am going to look into this for you and get back to you. And then you get back to them when you say you will get back to them. I mean, without diminishing the fact, I've got about two hours of conflict yeah. training on, on the IGT exclusive membership. But I, what you just said there is profound. And let's just unpack that a bit. But we've got to listen and we've got to care. Mm. And we've got to um, and listen very intently and deliberately to what they're saying. So we can, hey, look, just confirming if I can just get this right. This is the problem. And you can outline exactly what the issue is because you're then showing to them You've actively listened. You're right about the venting. The venting is a one-way conversation. It's not two. You've got to be quiet if they're venting. It's just like someone making their point on Facebook. What's the use of arguing with them? Because it, you'll never convince them otherwise. Um, it, it's venting is one way. You just got to let them get it out. Listen really, really carefully. Show that you care. And that automatically brings the temperature down to a point where the venting stops and now the conversation can start. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I, I, it, it's something that a lot of, it's just the really is a lot of people aren't trained on in property management to deal with. It knocks out a lot of people. It's one of the biggest issues of why so many property managers leave. Um, and, uh, it, you know, conflict, having good conflict management skills is really, really important to put out a fire quickly. There's too many property managers out there that are so good at putting out a fire using fuel, um, you know, throwing petrol or gas onto it, depending on where you are in the world, um, instead of water. And, you know, um, conflict can escalate. And I've seen conflict escalated to a point where people get killed. And so you've got to be very, very good at, um, you know, diffusing diffusing the situation. So some good points there. All right, let, let's move on. Let's move on. So we've now covered customer service, focus and care. We've talked about time and task management skills, communication and conflict management skills. So there's the big three. The fourth one is accuracy and attention to detail. And when I'm talking about this one, Esther, and generally I'm in a seminar talking with bosses and property managers, I say this is generally the one as to why, and, and others as well, but this is a big one why inherently good salespeople don't make good property managers because they suck on attention to detail. They're really bad with paperwork. Um, they're really sloppy um, and they can't follow a checklist. But how important is a checklist and attention to detail in property management, Esther, with, with your experience? Oh, it's, look, it's, <laughs> it's, Absolutely essential. You know, I, I've used them throughout my whole career, but interestingly, you know, even though I've got my own business now and I know what I should be doing, I still created all my own checklists because I like, A, I like to make myself accountable, but, you know, I'm only human and I'll forget something, you know, I've still got a phone call. So coming back to the checklist is always um, just keeps me on track. And the one thing that you miss will be the one thing that has ginormous ramifications down the track. Um, it's just Murphy's Law. So, uh, yeah, it's not that I don't, I know what to do, but it's uh, it's just too easy in this really busy role to miss something. So having a checklist just keeps everybody on track, especially either if you've, especially if you've got other staff as well, you know, you can, you're doing uh, transferring a role to somebody else you can at least know who's done that as well because they have to put their name against it. So um, you yeah. can trace things back if there's been an error that's come up. Um, there's some level of accountability. So a couple of things you said there, you know, every little thing left undone, that loose end becomes a big thing later on and it, it can become quite nasty. So you've got to be good at every little thing. That's why you've got to write everything down. You cannot yeah. remember anything. You've got to write everything down into one place and work out what you need to do for the day. So we talked about task and time management there. Every little thing has to get done. That 
that key, for example, that key that you didn't get cut, recut at a property because it was a new screen door or something, whatever, will come back and bite you or someone else later on. Um, every little thing has to get done. Um, and with checklists, here is the deal is that not one thing that gets missed in property management just evaporates. It goes into hibernation, it mutates, and it comes back in zombie form. And I'm a real fan of The Walking Dead. Because yeah. <laughs> they'll come back and they come back smelly and rotten and full of conflict and full of stress. And they're going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, remember that thing you didn't do? Well, I'm back. And now I'm demanding you do it in my time, not yours. And before you know it, we're in complete reactory mode to hell with anything that we had planned because that ain't going to get done. We've now got to focus on fixing the mistakes of yesterday. And there's a lot of property managers out there that don't follow a checklist. They miss things, don't do things right. And they end up working part-time fixing the mistakes of yesterday because they've come back and tapped them on the shoulder. And then that means they're only working part-time with the issues of today. And Esther, how many, you know, over, over the years, I mean, how many new portfolios have you joined as a, an employee you're now running your own ship but where where things were burning when you came in oh yeah <laughs> uh, fires fires yeah putting out fires yeah left right and center yeah and it, it would take me probably four to six months to get my head around things and and just pull it back into shape um because how i operate a checklist right checklist yeah. went followed things went done right things were missed and the thing about checklist, everybody, is that you've got to understand is that you've got to be doing your tasks at a rate of speed. But if your speed outstrips your accuracy, then you are going to be um, cobbled or, or you're going to have a chain around your leg connected to a big, heavy ball of now fixing the issues of yesterday because your speed outpaced your accuracy. If you want to increase your speed, in the same pace as your accuracy, which means you don't have to come back and touch the task again. Only a checklist can do that for you because it means that you get the job done right the first time because the checklist, of course, has to be done right. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a full wheel. It, it, it's already been thoroughly written to make sure the job is done right the first time. And it gives you speed because you don't have to remember anything. It's all just there to be followed. Yeah, so, and it's usually in sequential order as well. So, yeah. you know, if you skip anything, you, you've missed something back here that could affect something later on. So, yeah, you just yeah. got to go in order. And So for bosses out there listening, checklists give you speed and accuracy have the checklist missing, you've got the speed, lacking the accuracy, which means now we're working part-time fixing the issues of yesterday. So some really profound stuff in there, I think, that's really important for everyone to accuracy and attention to detail. Just one more final comment. This is why salespeople, generally a good salesperson, inherently, not everybody, because if you know Dennis, who's, a, who's part of IGT, amazing salesperson, but he's good with attention to detail. He actually reads our event contracts um, but that's unusual. A good salesperson inherently is crap with paperwork. And this is where they, they go down if they ever step into property management because they just don't have that accuracy and things start blowing up and burning. So, um, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. So we've um, we covered accuracy and attention to detail. That was number four. The next one is initiative and problem solving. So using your initiative, which is your ability um, with your, your own skills to um, come up with a solution because not everything is checklisted using your initiative. So for example, if you, do, you, do you ever remember watching, I think the movie was called Sully. And this was a story about the, um, the airline pilot taking off from um, uh, a, a airport in New York um, and only just getting the plane off the ground, the airline off the ground, they hit um, a flock of geese and immediately the engines got blown out. So these guys are like 100 metres, 150 metres off the ground. They've now suddenly lost power in both engines. They've got 100, 200 people on the aircraft. They reach for their procedures manual on what to do next, and there is nothing in there. It's unprecedented that can fix this problem. They, didn't, they now have to use their initiative 
with their experience to land the plane. So initiative really does come. You go back to the early days, Esther, you know, how long did it take before your experience really became your safety net on the job and you stopped asking your boss and other people questions? How long did it take? It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I suppose, you know, you've got to get a couple of years, I reckon, under your belt to um, have operation of a, of a portfolio to understand how everything flows properly. Um, although it depends, you know, if you're a young person, you know, you've got to listen to your, your seniors and learn from that. Um, but even if you're sort of a person of more mature age, at least you've got some life skills that you can draw on. But you st it's still still a couple of years, I reckon, to, to just get your head around everything and be confident and have complete knowledge of all the processes involved and legislation and being across everything to be able to just have that conversation straight up with a client and make them feel confident in what you're talking to them about. And this is where property managers come in on the job. Their first six months, 12 months is the baptism of fire, right? And if they don't have someone that they can go to to talk to about how do I do this, 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 this has just happened, this is a situation I've never experienced before, how do I, how do I, they don't have that. They don't have that initiative to draw upon, to add to their own. Um, it can be quite damaging. Yeah. You know, and, and they leave. And so this is an area that, that is, can be a real problem in property management, but it is all problem solving. I've always said that the two words of property management, those two words, property management, are bad words because the property be is then the management themselves. Yeah. You don't see the property going down to the bank and paying the rent. You don't see the property pushing the lawnmower around, cutting the grass. Um, it's the people. So it's very much people management, isn't it? It's very misleading. Property management is people management, but also um, it's problem solving and priority management. And, uh, and, and, you know, many times I've got home and, and I'm so problem solved out, <laughs> just solving problems all day. I've got nothing left to, to get yeah. to solve problems, which is, you know, can be yeah. an issue when you get home, but it's very much all about problem solving. And, and one thing I want to say to everyone, property management in its core nature is chaos. Let me ex explain. So Esther, you're from Western Australia. Yes. And um, Western Australia is known for one particular ore. What is that? Iron. Iron ore. So iron ore, everyone, is the basic element or the ingredient to create steel. But iron ore is rust. And so iron ore has to go through a process to be put into steel and created into steel. But if that steel isn't protected by paint or put onto a bridge or whatever, that steel inherently in its absolute nature, basic nature is iron ore or rust. And so that steel over 100, 200, 300 years, if it's not looked after, not kept painted, not protected, will eventually make its way back to ore or rust. And so in property management, its nature is chaos. And so, and the best way to illustrate that, Esther, can you imagine, um, you know, you've got a number of properties now, but let's say that you decided you're going to go on a six-week break and you just send an email out to everyone, love you all, I'll be away from six Bye. weeks, I'll be back in six weeks' time and I'll sort things out then, goodbye. Mm. And you've got no one doing your job, what's going to happen in that six weeks? Uh, everything will just fall apart. There's nobody there to, to just keep things ticking along. So my point is the basis or the, the, the core nature of property management is chaos if it's left to its own devices. So we are the controller and we are the people that keep it under control to a point that um, is doable and it does what we want it to do. Otherwise, it turns into a beast. And so... That's why we must be good at problem solving everyone, all right? Because property management is one problem that just wants to become more. And Can our I job just, is to stop that. Sorry, I just go back to your analogy from the um, ore to the steel um, and how it gets from that to the steel is by heat and fire. Yeah. So 
being exposed to conflict is only the only way to teach you and train you to get through and get that experience. So you're not going to get the experience unless you've gone through the fire. So at some point, you you have to take that step and you can't just keep palming it off to other people. The you, know, you won't learn and, and grow. Yeah. The refiner's fire brings <clears throat> the uh, impurities to the surface um, through fire. And then once the impurities are exposed, that can be scraped off the top. So, you know, that's um, that's the gore, um, gold, um, um, melting gold process and and turning, getting the gold out of the ore. And anyway, we could, we could do yeah, a whole session. we can talk about that all day. Stuff. All right, next, next one. So that was number five. Initiative and problem solving was number five. Number six is professional presentation and manner. All right, the way that we present ourselves over the phone, by Zoom, meeting people, the way that we present. So we're not exactly going to just show up, um, you know, in our tank top and shorts and thongs. But Esther, we could still get the job done, though, dressed like we're going to the beach. Why do we need to be dressed up in a manner which is acceptable? Well, <clears throat> your presentation obviously provides some uh, level of confidence in people that if, if we're purporting to be professionals, then we need to be showing that we are not just by our dialogue or how we um, communicate with people, but just it's it's an entire thing. You, you know, you have to have a level of authenticity. So, you know, how you talk, how you act and how you dress, everything is just a complete bundle. So if they see um, consistency across all those areas, then, you know, that they're going to believe you to be the professional that you're saying that you are. Mm. And I think if people have got a half million dollar or a million dollar investment, they are judgmental about who is mm. going to, it doesn't matter saying, oh, in this day and age, people shouldn't be judgmental. There is no law or legislation in their head that says they can't be judgmental of what they think. And you can't control that. And so we've got to be very careful in the way we present, but that's relative. I mean, it really depends on the situation. So, yeah. um, you know, a person managing properties in lower socioeconomic areas or country areas may be quite looking professional in a polo top with a, cover, uh, with a, with a collar. Um, and that may just be quite fine because that's, that's acceptable professional look in that context. Whereas if you're managing property, for example, in Perth there and what we call the Golden Triangle, um, the really expensive um, Western suburbs, if I got it right, Western suburbs, um, the Golden Triangle, um, and that's all you're doing, um, then a, a different level of attire, you rocking up in a polo shirt is probably not going to do the trick. So, you know, it's going to be a suit, it's going to be a tie, it's going to be nice shoes, you know, it could even be the car that you're driving as well. So all of those sort of things have to be put into, um, into context. But I'm going to throw one at you, Esther, you're ready. And this is something that you're not ready for. And I want to get, because you're an old school property manager like me, all right? Tattoos exposed on the job. What's your, because everyone's in the tattoos these days. And I, I, I will say, yeah, I've got a full sleeve. All right. But what's your opinion about tattoos in a professional working environment? Um, yes, I am old school, but I probably do adapt along the way. So I think, it, again, it comes back to knowing your client. Um, you know, if you've perhaps got a potential clients who are elderly, for example, then, then probably covering up may be a wise thing to do just because it may offend them. So, um, but, you know, generally speaking, I don't personally see it as an issue. I think we just need to sort of be aware of, of the type of clients that we're dealing with and, yeah, just adapt appropriately. Again, it comes back to the landlord types and their wants and needs and who they are. Um, we need to be authentic about who we are and accepting, but just being mindful and respectful, I think, um, yeah, not obviously. everyone agrees with that, and and I'm I'm certainly one of those. And you know, when I'm on stage, I'm covered up. You know, no one would know. In fact, I look old school, so people are shocked to know that I probably have more ink on me than a lot of people in the room. But 
um, but that's a personal thing, and I don't mm. I don't like to bring that out in a professional environment. But you're right; it is it's it's in the context of the situation. Um, there's no straight answer. You know, you've got also you know people are listening to this podcast, Esther, from tropical areas where things are really warm and hot, and you know to be covered up if you've got tattoos on your arms and legs and that sort of thing uh, may not be practical as well. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, there are still people out there that don't agree with tattoos, um, you know, and that's, that's their opinion. And they've got the, they've got the, the transaction, they've got the property, you, you've got the service, you want to do a transaction, you've got to create trust. And so just not putting anything in the way that's going to breach that trust is really important. And, uh, you know, tattoos, things have changed in the last 10 years. Certainly things have changed. You know, I know salespeople out there that have now got, um, you know, really good quality hand tattoos. And there's one gentleman within the Coronas group mm. in Victoria who's got tattoos right up to his neckline and he's doing very well, you know. And so things have changed. But I think, you know, with the way that we dress and the way that we present matters, you've just got to work out. And a rule that I've always used is, you know, who is your typical client that you're meeting? You just need to be one notch above yeah. who they are. And so that puts things in the context because that's not an easy um, question to answer, but you've just got to do what's going to be get the trust of your typical client. And just worry about that and worry about that. Now, last one, um, last seventh attribute habit that's needed, Esther, having a positive attitude um, because there are days that can suck in property management. Would you agree? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we have a bad day, we can have a really bad day. And I remembered, you know, I just said this to myself, we have more good days than bad. If I've got a series of good days, I know a bad day is coming. As soon as a bad day is out of the way, I'm back to good days again. And that, that, that rule generally worked for me, except one time I had five bad days in a row and that really knocked me for a six. But, it, but we've got to be able to just get out of bed the next day and get up and do it again, Esther. So tell me, you've been in a job for a long time. You know, what are the areas of things of resilience for you? Now, what are the self-talk that you give to yourself around having a good attitude? Um, look, I don't know whether it's so much about self-talk. I mean, I do probably chatter away to myself sometimes, just, you know, trying to lift myself out. But what I find is that if I'm in a negative space, everything becomes negative from thereafter. So I, I know that I need to pull myself out of that to turn things around. And if I don't, then it's not going to get better. So it's just really a matter of... Um, <clears throat> I either listen to calming music or I will read something that's positive. <clears throat> I actually have got some social media stuff. I'm a member of some group and it just keeps every day or, you know, it'll post something. And it just seems to be so timely when I'm scrolling through and I go, oh, I just needed to hear that today. And it just lifts me back up. And then as soon as I'm lifted back up, everything just starts to slot into place um, and go smoothly. So I think it, it is a struggle sometimes when you're on your own to self-motivate, but if you don't, um, you just end up staying in the doldrums. You do. Uh, trying yeah. to avoid negative situations or, you know, negative speak, um, you know, if you're in a group or something that's starting to turn a bit negative, just trying to distance yourself, I think. Sometimes I mentally do that um, just to so that I can keep on. Yeah. Now, one of the analogies I like to give is that where I grew up um, as a child is a place called Wyala, which was an iron ore um, shipbuilding steel city um, in South Australia. And that was working class community. And on the entrance of coming into Wyala, there is a big rudder from a ship that was built in Wyala. And that was testament to the shipbuilding days and not doing shipbuilding anymore. Um, and it was a huge, massive rudder, but the ship that it was attached to was much bigger. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good the ship is, how good the motors are, what quality goods are on the ship. If your rudder is pointing this little thing, this, this 
piece of metal sticking out the back is pointing the wrong way, that whole ship is going to run aground. And our negative attitude, as you said, it's like a pair of glasses. Um, and our attitude is actually the tint of the glasses. So if we've got the wrong color, we put our glasses on, then we're going to see everything of that same color. Um, it's another an analogy is um, it's like um, a bad piece of cheese under your nose. Everything's going to smell. Yeah. And it, it, it's really important that we've got to have a good attitude, a resilient attitude. We've got to be property management. You talked about the refiner's fire. It produces resilience mm -hmm. in a person, strength, and it produces a type of strength in a person that you watch your friends, your non-real estate friends go through a minor issue and it just bang, blows them down. You think, really? I eat problems like that for breakfast, you know? But would you agree? It develops yes. resilience, a strength, you know, that just goes and just gives you a spine, you know, that we can become really resilient people. So as much as property management is difficult, it can give you a gift. And that we, as property managers, we become really productive people, definitely in society. And I'm thankful. Property management, to me, is one of the most difficult jobs out there. The seven attributes that we've been through today um, are the same attributes that make a good police officer. That says a lot. Mm. And property management is a great job. It's a very challenging job. But, boy, there's so many rewards in it. You know, I've done it for a long time. Esther, you've done it for a long time. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy. Um, so, so I guess very quickly, everyone. So customer service, focus and care. That's number one. Time and task management is number two. Communication, conflict management skills is number three. Accuracy and attention to details, number four. Initiative and problem solving skills is number five. Professional presentation and manner, uh, number six. And number seven is a positive attitude. The seven non-negotiable qualities, attributes, habits of highly effective property managers. Esther, that was a good podcast. What did you think? Yeah, no, it was good. Highlighting all those things, um, yeah, is really important. And cool. they all, I, I believe they're all intertwined, so you can't have one without the other. Yeah. You know, they're they're all they parts are. of the same link. You can't have one missing. It needs to be all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, certainly bosses listening to this, these are the things you're going to look for in an interview of a person that's looking to become a property manager. Because if you've got the wrong person that doesn't fit those, they are going down, all right? And that person's not going to be the right person to sit on the seat of your bus. So all good. Now, Esther, if people want to reach out to you, what's the easiest way to get in contact with you? Uh, well, they can ring me on my phone, 0439035028, or email me, which is esther.nielsen at coronas.com.au or I'm on the socials uh, on the IGT inner page Esther Nielsen I'm on Instagram and I'm also on LinkedIn so the, that's the IGT inner circle yes. um, Esther's in there uh, but yeah join the IGT inner circle remember answer the three questions and you're as you're in because Dennis is Uncle Dennis is really tough about who comes into the group. We're very, very careful um, about who we let in. But um, well done, Esther. It's been a great podcast. And, um, yeah, everyone, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Thanks very much, Darren. Okay, bye-bye.